Well, today is a, a special Sunday. I know we're in the middle of a series on Romans 7, and we will get to Romans 7 next week, I assure you. Um, we're in the middle of a controversial section. I'm not avoiding it because I haven't made up my mind. I, I have very strong convictions about that. But in talking through with the elders, our members meeting last Sunday night, and the things that we had circled our, our hearts around to really focus our church on in the next 30 months, it was clear that we understood not everyone was there, and it was clear that we needed to talk about it more in a, an expositional fashion than just a, a family meeting. So this week, I want to talk about, excuse me, today rather, I want to talk about uh, an important uh, initiative, an important project that we're about to begin, and I'm excited to talk to you about this. But I have a caveat. I know we have visitors here. I'm so self-conscious. I, I'm just going to be bluntly honest. These are, these are moments as a preacher you just re- really can't control. There's, there's times when you think, I wish it was just our church family. We're glad you're here as a visitor. Don't, don't think you should never come back because we don't want you here. Because I'm going to talk about money. Now, many of you were here last week. We talked about a project, and I want to talk about it in the context of our stewardship It involves money. It involves giving. It is hard for me to preach on giving. In fact, in three years and three months that I've been here, I have yet to preach on the subject of giving. One of the reasons is it wasn't in the text. And the other reason, can I just tell you, I'm a wimp about that. It's hard for a pastor to talk about giving when I know that I'm remunerated by the church. It feels so self-serving. It feels so disingenuous. And yet, to ignore what the Bible teaches about giving is pastorally irresponsible. So we need to talk about it a little bit this morning. It's also hard because I've watched too many charlatans on what is called Christian TV make financial appeals in a way that's clearly and in an ungodly fashion manipulative. you no doubt seen them as well. It's a very publicized incident of Robert Tilton, who's a false teacher, who was um, uh, for, for months and months telling his, his, his audience, his TV audience, that they should keep giving, and they were giving millions toward his, his um, false teaching ministry, by the way. He decided to get uh, plastic surgery, and this plastic surgery uh, was pretty dramatic. He looked very different. And so this was what he told the TV audience. He said, I have to tell you that I got plastic surgery because the, mo- the money that you were sent in was, was so um, overwhelming and your prayer requests were so genuine that I laid on that pile of envelopes and I wept so intensely for so long and my face was on the envelopes that the ink from those envelopes got into my eyes and I needed to have plastic surgery to fix it. That is not gonna happen today. There's so much illegitimate, there's so many illegitimate appeals for money that really happen in the name of Christ that I'm very sensitive in talking about funds and talking about money and talking about stewardship. And yet, Jesus was not afraid to talk about money. He talked about money a lot. Where your treasure is, there's where your heart is also. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. You'll love the one and hate the other. We need to talk a little bit about giving this morning. Let me tell you why. We're beginning a brand new initiative called the ABLE Initiative. Now, we'll talk more about that, what that means in just a moment. 
Several years ago, as we heard from uh, uh, Michael Goostry last week, several years ago, uh, our church came into some building projects that got a bit out of hand. They undertook a building project that suffered a series of unforeseen problems. Michael told us last week you should uh, get the tape. I think we have that taped. And um, boy, that's dated. You should get the download um, and listen to that. From the discovery of asbestos to flooding to an 11 inch rain, what began as a manageable venture soon turned into a bigger and far more expensive project, especially for a congregation as small as we were then. In the end, with a congregation south of 200 people, we had accumulated a $3 million debt. A little footnote on that. The church has never missed one payment against that note. By God's goodness and to God's glory, there has never been one late payment on that note. Now, just a few comments before we dive in. Um, We're going to talk about giving. I just want to waylay some suspicions. None of the elders know what you give. I don't know what you give. Uh, we don't get together on Monday morning and go through the checks and say, oh, good, bad. We score you on a uh, scale of one to 10. We don't do that. We have a couple of deacons who are very trustworthy who count and record our gifts for your tax purposes. Um, but here's the reality about giving. We've almost doubled in size in the last 36 months, Okay. Now, I'm going to do math this morning, and I don't do math well, so if I say something that's, that's mathematically imprecise, you can call me on it, and I will, I will repent with many, many, many laughs. But I know I've got this right because I, I, I wrote it down exactly. We've almost doubled in attendance in the last 36 months, but our giving and our budget have stayed pretty much flatline. Now, there's a lot of things we could attribute to that. Uh, maybe people are giving less, maybe people don't have, maybe people uh, are, are in a different uh, socioeconomic bracket. We could, it doesn't matter. It's just interesting to see the numbers go up and, the, and our budget and our giving stay pretty much flatline. Now, if you look in your bulletin, you can see kind of what's, uh, we put this in here every week. Um, and it's a little skewed because sometimes our giving is spiked. We have big weeks and small weeks. Uh, like last, we need $17,571 a month, excuse me, a week to, uh, to do our operational ministry here at Mission Road. Last week, we had 31000 That sounds great, except year to date, we're $36,000 behind. So you can see that we're just, and that's not tragic, it's not uh, catastrophic, but we're just kind of moving along. Weekly budget is about $17,500. And we have a $2.7 million debt that requires, ready for this? Just under $20,000 to service a month. Which means that more than one offering a month goes to the bank. Now that's a problem, but I do want to tell you, I know churches that north of 50% of their income, their giving goes to debt. And praise God that we don't have that. But the sad part about this is, we have that happening for the next 20 years, and we want to talk about that. We've continued to be crippled and discouraged by the debt. It's hard. Um, Proverbs 22.7 says, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the slave of 
the lender. And we have certainly felt that way in many dimensions. We didn't get here by any sin. We didn't get here by any lack of, of wisdom. We got here because, of, if I can quote a, a book series, a series of unfortunate events unfolded as they were trying to do a bathroom project that became a whole lot more. Just a footnote, once you find asbestos in your building, you've lost control of your project. The regulatories are involved now, and you just can't fix a wall. They found, let me just tell you this, they lacked asbestos in 1957 when they built this building. After hours of prayer and discussion, we as an elder team have decided that we can't keep kicking the can down the road on the debt. So many of our discussions ends with this comment. We just can't do that. We just can't do that. We just can't do that. We can't do that. We can't afford that. We can't do that. We need to postpone that. Every single day, the debt comes to bear, especially on Bob as he tries to administrate our church's ministry. So what we decided, and this is a review of the last week, what we decided to do is is to circle the next 30 months because in 36 months, we're up for a renewal on our mortgage, on our our note, and we'll refinance it there. It's a five-year balloon payment as most business and corporations have. So we need to refinance in 30 months. And so we just circled that refinance time and said, "What what would happen? What would God do if, what could we do if We put all of our focus and all of our attention and every possible penny we can extraneous to our normal operating expenses toward the debt. What would that look like? What would happen? So for the next 30 months, we are going to do that. And we're praying according to ability, able. We've called this the able initiative. This is our commitment. As we are able, we talked about this last Sunday night, we, are, uh, we commit our sacrificial giving. This will be extra, uh, external to our normal giving, by the way. We commit our sacrificial giving to magnifying God's ability to resolve our church's debt for, here's the carrot at the end of the stick, the freedom of unhindered gospel ministry. We learn from the wisdom of Solomon that the... The borrower is in very much, in a very real sense, the slave of the lender. That has been true. William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And that's what we want to do. We've called this the ABLE initiative. And we'll talk about that a little bit more specifically in a moment. Because we're looking at what God is able to do. And we're also looking at ourselves and say, what are we able to do to get some traction on this debt? The plan is to develop some little pieces. With this uh, uh, slide you see, we're going to have some cards you can put on your refrigerator or your kitchen table. We're going to make this up so you can at least be reminded that we have an opportunity to get traction on this obligation. And as I said last week, if we don't, 20 years from now, the people who, who are in leadership will say, why didn't we? We owe it to them. We also have an obligation to our, our Lord to be stewards of what he's given us. We're going to have some cards for the refrigerator. We're going to have some envelopes for, for special uh, uh, giving toward this. But let me say again, here's my insecure fear. This ABLE initiative is extraneous. It's on top of, it's in addition to our normal giving. 
If we got excited about getting uh, traction on our debt and stopped giving in our normal giving, we would have a problem. I hope I don't have to do the math on that. We, we have this $17,000 a month budget that we need to, a week rather, to, to maintain as well. So what we want to do is get serious about this debt. And you say, what in the world does that have to do with with uh, preaching and with God, why would we take a Sunday morning to do that? Because it's biblical. So what I'd like to do is talk to you very specifically about how we can, here's a key word, how we can enjoy the next 30 months, how we can enjoy the ABLE initiative. God's ABLE, we're to do what we're ABLE. How can we enjoy that? Not participate in it, not be enslaved to it, not feel guilted into it. How can we enjoy it? And so I put together a little outline that I hope will be helpful. I think this will be helpful for you to discuss um, as a couple. This will be helpful for you to discuss with your family. And I strongly encourage you to get your children involved as well. Number one, pray that God will bless our efforts to pay off the debt. Pray that God will bless our efforts to pay off our debt. And you see the combination there? God's ability and ours. Ephesians chapter three, verse 21. We looked at this, uh, 20 and 21. We looked at this briefly last week. At the end of a section on spiritual maturity, Paul says, now to him who is able, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or even dream or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. There's a few things that are interesting about that passage. God is able. God could send us a check tomorrow. But you know what? I kind of suspect that he won't. And I kind of hope he doesn't. Because then we would lose the blessing of watching what God does as we sacrifice, does in us as we sacrifice and as we give. I would cash the check if he sent it. <laughs> now him who, to him who is able to do more than we ask or think, have we asked God to help us resolve this debt? Have you prayed about it? Have you said, Lord, this is the hindrance to ministry. We, we wanna be a part of this. We said last week the church has Three, access to three resources, right? Capital resources, that's buildings and budgets. Human resources, that's people. We need people to work in the nursery, obviously. And also divine resources. Divine resources are, are those that God has given us access to through prayer, through supplication, through asking him, asking what is on our heart. Whatever gives us anxiety, our debt has given us anxiety. He says, bring all things to him with thanksgiving. So we're praying that God's ability to do more than we would ask or think, we'll talk about what we can ask or think in a moment, but this is first and foremost a divine venture. Our, our congregation is too small to have a debt this big. It's just too small. But our God is way too big for us not to ask to resolve it. The proper way to think of this is not that we have... Human resources, capital resources, and divine resources. I'd like to think of it as like this. We have one, we, we just have divine resources. 
and that's the categorized as capital and human. Everything goes to him. Even our gifts, everything we give toward this campaign, everything we give toward um, our, uh, our weekly giving is, is not ours that we gave God. He's loaned it to us, right? So it's returning it to him. A second way to enjoy it is purpose to give what we are able. Now, I know everyone's uncomfortable. Uh, here comes the, the uh, arm behind the back and the, the guilt moment. You need to give 37.6% or 3.4%. That's not what we're gonna do. In Deuteronomy 16, 17, there, there's a principle where God is calling the men to come and give uh, um, what, what, fun, what was functional for the tabernacle, the the meals that they needed to have, the, what they needed to buy for the, to move the movement of the tabernacle. He says, every man shall give as he is able. Then I love this. According to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. We're to give. Giving is to be done as we are able, recognizing that our ability to give is still out of the blessing of God. It's the stewardship of the Lord. Now, this is fun. I, uh, I leaned upon one of my favorite mathematicians and financiers, uh, Ben Hyman. So um, uh, ben, ben did some calculation for me. Thank you very much. Did some calculation for our, our elders. As you know, loans are built on the principle of compounding interest, right? If you don't know that, just get a credit card, put money on it, don't pay it off, and watch it for a few minutes. You'll figure out what compounded interest is really fast. That means that interest is always being applied to the balance. Now, um, that could be a blessing or a liability depending on what we do with it. What I mean by that is if we do very little, it compounds. If we actually do something against this debt, then that compounding principle begins reducing exponentially. Let me give you an example of what Ben shared with us. Now follow this. This, is, this gave me chills when I heard it. And math never gives me, well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> math has often given me chills, but not like this. <laughs> Calculus, well, statistics, almost singular-handedly singular derailed my college career. Anyway, math. Let's consider the impact of $1,000 for a minute. I'm gonna speak simply because Ben spoke simply to me. Ready? The impact of $1,000. Over the life of a loan, $1,000 given is worth, when you figure in compounded interest, are you ready for this? $1,000 is worth, against the loan, $2,563.95. That's a 150% gain. Now you say, well, okay, that's, uh, that means if we give $1,000, if I give $1,000 toward this uh, project, the ABLE Initiative, that will save us $1,500 in interest. I can get excited about that. Now you may be saying, well, hang on a second, I, I can't give $1,000. I, I can only give a dollar, okay? Watch this math, ready? If you give a dollar, it's worth $2.50, 56 cents over the life of the loan. I just erased zeros, pretty easy. So a dollar worth 150% gain? So if we give $3, $5, let's go on the upper end. 
If someone gave $100,000, that saves a quarter million dollars. It's like paying a quarter million dollars, rather. That's, that's exciting. And it also makes me want to get into banking. is worth $25,639.51 over the life of the loan. So when we talk about do what you're able, understand that the person who gives the big number is worth one, uh, has 150% gain. The person who gives a dollar is worth 150% gain. Everything matters. Every single dime matters. Just putting a, a coin jar in your house and and filling it up and giving toward it will, will be one and a half times the profit. No gift is too small. Give a dollar, and it's like giving that plus a dollar fifty-six. It's remarkable. Some more math. By the way, if we were able to pay the entirety of the debt off in three years, that's two point seven something million dollars. If we did that, it would take an extra $14,300 per week. And you're thinking, oh, there's no way. I, I, hang on. Let's, don't, don't be the president of the OG of Little Faith Club yet. That translates into every member, not even our regular attenders who are givers. If every member over the course of the next three years gave an extra, not only, but an extra $51 a week, we would pay the loan off in three years. Not everyone can do that. I, I, I understand that. I'm just giving you the figures that this is not insurmountable if we apply our ability toward that because he is the one who's able to take what we're doing and even magnify and multiply it. That translates to every member giving $51 toward the, uh, the project or $200 per month. I know that's a lot. But it doesn't sound like $3 million, does it? Again, we're committing to do what each of us is able. We're not saying you need to have to. We're going to find out in a minute. No one is being told you have to do anything. What we're saying is that this is doable. We can get traction on this. Now, again, I hesitate to say this because I don't want to be that president of the Little Faith Club, but let's say we just paid off half of it. Then we would gain $10,000 a month extra in ministry operational money to be able to use, even if we paid half of it off. If we paid a third of it or a fourth of it, $5,000, you can see where it, where it begins making a massive difference. And if we did that, that would give us extra money to even transfer toward the debt in the future. I think the time is right Time is right, the spirit is right for us to say, let's stop kicking the can down the road and just hunker down and see what can happen. Some of you are able to give a lot more than others. Some of you can give a lot less than others. God does not look at amounts, he looks at hearts. As each man is able, and then he gives according to what? The blessing of the Lord. Everything we have is the blessing of the Lord. So another way to enjoy it, and this is where we're gonna drill down a little deeper, is to understand the nature of sacrificial giving. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter nine for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter nine. I want you to see these verses. Understanding the nature of sacrificial giving. 
Now, I've broken this down so we can understand it a little bit better. First of all, sacrificial giving involves, drum roll, sacrifice. Sacrificial giving involves sacrifice. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Now I say, he who sows, that is literally gives, sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is a section where he's talking about the Macedonian's gift and he's drawing out principles of giving. It's the spiritual principle of compounded interest. Did you know that God believes in compounded interest? We've talked about the fact that if we owe a little, the compounded interest makes us owe more. God says actually the opposite is true too. It's true also. If spiritually you invest a little, God uses the compounded interest of divine enablement to compound that gift in the positive. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if, if we sow bountifully, we'll reap how? Bountifully, it'll be more. This is why we're calling this the able initiative. We want to look at what God is able to do and depend on that and then as we are able, join him in that effort. We'll never be left dissatisfied. I just think about sacrificial giving. What what can we say no to? You can say no to a latte a week. You can say, I mean, when we take our family out to dinner, we don't have to go out to dinner all the time. Little sacrifices, remember a dollar is $2.50. But before you start feeling guilty about you can never ever you know, have another Starbucks, remember this. That sacrificial giving also involves wisdom. Sacrificial giving involves, secondly, wisdom. Verse seven, each one must do as he has purposed In his heart, it sounds like Deuteronomy, doesn't it? Purposing in your heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This goes back to the issue raised in Deuteronomy 16. Purposing means strategically thinking through your giving. One of the first things to be considered about our initiative is this is above and beyond our regular giving. This is wisdom. We have to make sure that church happens. But we can give an addition to that to see what God would do with our debt. Purposeful giving means doing it on purpose. It means being intentional, premeditated, calculated, but it also involves being spontaneous. We're not gonna be unwise, but there's nothing wrong with saying, "Ah, I think I'll do this this week. While we're considering this uh, issue of wisdom and our giving, we need to talk very honestly with each other about the, the principle of deferment, deferring to one another. Specifically, not being judgmental. If we're going to do this for the next three years and our church is going to do it, you don't have to individually. No one's making you do this. We're not gonna post who gave what on the wall, put it in the bulletin. We need to exercise wisdom though. This initiative is massive. It's gonna require sustained commitment and sustained sacrifice over a long period of time. During this time though, which is long and short, 30 months, 36 months. Neither you nor the church can suspend regular expenditures. Let me explain what I mean. We should not neglect personal obligations so we can contribute to the ABLE initiative. Don't just 
stop paying on your credit card so you can do this. Be wise. This is extra giving. This is asking God to do above and beyond our obligations. But neither should we wait until we're completely out of debt to give anything. I can just hear you. Well, Rick, I want to I wanna help with the ABLE initiative. But I'm three years into a 30-year mortgage, so in 27 years, I can't wait to be a part. My suspicion is that's not how you're living on other expenditures. So here it is. You got it? Ready? You have your seatbelt on? If you see someone you know and they show up at church with a new coat, you may be tempted to say that could have gone toward the AI, not artificial intelligence. That could have gone toward the initiative. A new dress or blouse, you say, why are you wearing new blouses? I can't believe you would do that. Or what if someone needs a car? And they show up with a new car and you're thinking, there goes our our debt reduction campaign. (laughs) But then there's other stuff. What if you need to replace a roof? Should you say, we're just going to live under umbrellas until we pay off that debt? Or if your child needs braces on their teeth or any other expenditure, please do not make assumptions in other people's lives if they need to make expenditures that you're being judgmental on. This is individual between you and the Lord. It's not even between you and the church. It's between you and me and the Lord. So let's just make a commitment from the very beginning. If someone shows up with a new coat, you're not gonna say, you know, $1 equals $2.50. You're really, how much was that coat? We're not going to stop living. Neither are we at church. If you see us fix something, if the blinds are broken and we fix it, don't think, well, we could live without that blind for the next three years. One dollar equals 250. You can't do that. That's, that's, that's just judgmental. The Lord doesn't honor that. The principle in Matthew is that your right hand shouldn't even know what your left hand is doing. You don't know if someone got a new coat. They didn't give three times that much last week. Let's not judge each other. Is that fair? People will need cars in the next three years. And if they show up with a car and you go, well, which should also mitigate our slander and our gossip if that happens. Well, you know, so-and-so got a a car. It's a 1963 VW, but but it's a car. They could have spent all that. Let's commit not to do that. Home repairs will come. Cars will need maintenance. You're going to need to get a haircut. Well, you could have been Goliath. You could have just let your hair grow for three years. We're not going to live like that, okay? And the same goes for the church. If Bob has to spend money on a new coffee machine or something, I mean, we could stop having coffee and give all that money towards the initiative, right? Ooh, I just tested your heart. <laughs> now you're meddling, preacher. What are you saying now? So. <laughs> We could not mow the grass. We could cancel our contract with the exterminator. You don't want us to cancel our contract with the exterminator. And we'll just save that for another chat. That wouldn't make any sense. We're gonna keep living and so are you. This is watching God do extraordinary things. Look back at verse seven. Not we give, not grudgingly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. There's some principles here. We're not to give because we have to. Not under compulsion. Listen, no one is under obligation to give a dime to this church. Even a nickel, even a penny. We don't, we don't charge you. I'll never forget the, 
the visitor we had who came, this lady, and she wanted to talk to me about her, her life, and we sat right out here, and, and she said at the end, she says, well, how much do I owe you? I said, what, what are you talking about? She says, well, how much do you charge for counseling? And I thought, how much? No, I didn't. I, th- I thought, we don't, we don't charge for it. What, do you, what, do you, what does that even mean, we don't charge for counseling? You're not under obligation. We don't give under compulsion. No one is obliged to participate in the ABLE initiative. We're not to give grudgingly. That means with a bad attitude. Well, I could have had a, what do they call those giant Starbucks? Trin, Tritons, Trintans? Yeah, that one. The one that's about this big, and instead of doing that, I'm just gonna give it to the church. I hope the Lord blesses that. That's not the way you're supposed to give. It's not with a bad attitude. It says here we're to give cheerfully, excitedly. If you've never done this, let me let you in on a little secret. It's a joy to sacrifice. God does things in your heart that are amazing. Let's believe the best that others are doing this along with us. So we're gonna be wise. Exercise wisdom. Don't be judgmental. Make sure that you purpose in your heart that's regular giving versus the extra giving. And then sacrificial giving involves expectation. Verse eight, God is able. Neat neat phrase, isn't it? God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything. I love that phrase. Look at this. All grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you'll have an abundance for every good deed. Do you see a lot of adjectives there? What God is saying is you can't outgive me. You can't outgive God. If you were to ask me why you should participate in the ABLE initiative, I would say it's to experience God's grace and God's sufficiency in miraculous ways. And to watch him work in our church and in our lives and our families. God will not leave us unattended. We will be um, cared for if we sacrificially give. And if you join this initiative, it will be a unique opportunity to trust and watch God work as a family together. How neat it will be at the dinner table to see what's going to happen. By the way, what we're going to start doing in October is along with our, um, our report in the bulletin of what we're giving... And Ben, I'm going to put you on the spot. What I'd like to do is, is how much has come in for the ABLE initiative and if we could figure out how much interest that saved us. Is that hard? Okay. It'd be interesting to see how much we didn't give the bank. If you're a banker, I'm so glad you're in our church. <laughs> Please don't leave because of this. Set up a change jar. Talk about sacrificial giving with with your family. Maybe sacrifice not all but one of your Christmas gifts. Pray about it together. Make it a topic for discussion with your family. If God is truly able to do more than we can ask or think, what are we asking and thinking? What are we asking and thinking? Can I confess something to you? And I struggle with this. This is, this is, I guess this is a family morning. I keep thinking, oh, if we could just get like a fourth of it paid down, that'd be great. Or just a half. And then I hear this verse tapping me on the shoulder. That's all you're gonna ask for? 
So I began, I, I remember the first time I did this. I want to tell you a little bit about my, about my prayer life. I remember what I was. I was driving in my, in my car and I was on Mission Road and I was about to turn right on 95th. And I remember thinking, and I, did, I literally did this. I went, God, could you help us with all 2.7 million? But if, if not, that's okay. We'll, we'll take half. But, and then I, I instantly qualified it. And I just had to repent of that and say, God, what, what, what could we do? What would we do? I'm convinced that this is going to be more about our own souls than reducing our debt. I really think it is. I'm confident that God is going to change us as a church as we do this. Look at the last part of verse eight. You may have an abundance for every good deed. Do you see how giving is connected to our godliness and our morality and our service? It actually has a moral dimension. He equips us because of our giving and he bountifully equips us not just to have stuff, to operate in godliness for every good deed. Then number four. We need to praise God regularly for what he does in our initiative. If we expect that he's gonna do great things, I think he has a right and a privilege to expect that we'll say thank you and praise him and say, wow, what a God. We're gonna begin putting those updates in the bulletin to see what God is doing. And remember that your dollar, your 50 cents, your quarter, those of you who are kids, to sacrifice the double for the single and to give that extra 20 cents, that means as much to the heart of God as those who will give hundreds of thousands of dollars. My request is that you'll join us in praying that God will help us to sacrifice in our giving and provide in supernatural ways at the same time. So start looking for unexpected money to show up. A stock that does better than you think. A check that you didn't expect. And when you get it, say, hmm, did I pray for this? Now, I hope you're praying for it in the beginning. Watch for God to answer those prayers. I cannot wait. I was just dreaming this morning, driving in. I thought, what would that be like? And I teared up thinking, what would it be like to stand up here and break all the fire marshal codes and burn that note and then have people give testimony to what God had done to help us get there and to say, what a God. And then to have extra money. Are you ready for this? $20,000 a month that we could apply toward gospel outreach in Kansas City. That gets me excited. We can look forward to some things. Enjoying God's love when we're debt-free. Freedom for ministry, freedom from limitations, greater involvement in missions, a fresh look at our building, potential staff additions. And yes, the rumor is true, I have prayed for and I long to be in a financial position where we can begin planting churches in Kansas City. But this debt is an albatross around our, our ankles. So much of our discussion and our elder team has been what we can't do. What will it be like when we say, what do we do with this money? 
God, what do we do with it? I can't wait for that day. I cannot wait for that day. So the issue is this. You don't have to give anything. From our standpoint, the Lord says you ought to give everything. You saw his. We give according to the blessing of the Lord. You also have to remember that if you wait until you're in a better financial position, you're never going to give. Maybe you do have some obligations and some debts. You're working your way out of credit card. I get all that. But a dollar is two fifty. You can say no to a Coke to do that. You can go out a little less. You can... Really, we're in America, in Kansas City. We have people in this church I know who are literally living hand to mouth and are behind on that. Even that, God will bless a dollar. It's not about the amount. It's not about the amount. It's about our hearts. We give as we are able. I'm convinced that God can do more with a dollar from, a, from the right heart than $2 million from someone who's done it compulsively or begrudgingly. We also have to remember that this is in, can I say it again? Here's my, my fearful self raising his head again. This is in addition to our regular giving. Did you, get, did you pick that up during the sermon? This is additional. You have to be faithful in that as well. And then lastly, let me just remind you again. Life doesn't stop. Ministry doesn't stop. We have to guard ourselves from doing this initiative over the next 30 months and being suspicious of someone if they get a new, guys get shirts, I guess ladies get blouses, if they get a new shirt or a coat. Just leave that between them and the Lord and let's keep our giving between us and the Lord. So we're gonna kick this off in October. And I think what we'll probably do is toward the end of October, we will post our first installment, no pun intended, in the bulletin of what God's doing. If it's $10 that it was given with the right heart, praise God, I will be, I will be so excited if it's $1. If $1, we save $1.50 on the loan. That's, that's good math. Now, I hesitate to do this, but I'm gonna do it. Some of you have been blessed some of you have been blessed more than others. And you can do things that others can't. Would you do it? Would you pray about it? Would you think about it? I'm glad some of us can give a dollar. And some of us can give a lot of dollars. And it's not to get out of debt. It's to get that obstacle, which is debt, out of the way so we can concentrate all of our energies on ministry. I don't want to give that debt to somebody in 20 years, or give that note to somebody in 20 years. Can I be selfish for a moment? I, I want to be a part of us burning that, that note. I, I don't want it to be in 20 years. It's biblical. It's exciting. I can't wait. Talking to the elders this morning, I was shocked at so many of you who came and said how excited you were about this. Now, just a little footnote. I've talked to a couple of other friends who are in the, in, in the ministry who said, so who, what company are you using to do this? And I said, what do you mean? Well, typically you have a company come in, they print up all your material and, and then they take like the first 5% off of it. 
And I said, I, we're, maybe we're just not that sophisticated, but we're just gonna, I mean, Bob did our card. Is that pretty good? And we may change it up when we come, but I think we can just do this. Unless you're smarter than me, I think God's call is better than a consulting company to come in and say, let's see what we can do. I'm excited about this. I'm so excited about this because I think it honors the Lord and it gives us more resources to spend for the gospel. Let's pray together. If you're here and you don't know what this is about, you kind of came on an odd Sunday, but what we're trying to do is get things out of the way so we can tell people how they can be forgiven of their sin, how they can have the righteousness and perfection of Jesus Christ to which God will look and say, you are accepted before me because of his life and his death and his resurrection. Father, you know these are, these are hard words for me to talk about from one sense because we don't, we don't wanna be like those false teachers on TV who are begging and pleading for money for their own benefit. We wanna beg and plead with you for these resources to alleviate this obstacle so that we can be so much more strategic about the Great Commission here in Kansas City. We understand from the narrative of what happened that this is of, of no sin on anyone's part. You gave that 11-inch rain. You're the one who had them in your providence install that asbestos. You were very aware of that 60 years ago, and yet this is where we are. So cause us to respond in a way that pleases you. Help us, enable us, inspire us to do what we are able because you are able to take what we sow bountifully and make it exponentially more. Forgive us, spare us from sowing sparingly. We can't wait to see what you do, Father, for your glory and for our good. We have great anticipation. In Jesus' name, amen.